right. Welcome to the Weedworks podcast where we talk about everything working in the marijuana field. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. And today we're going to be talking to a business owner named Melissa. She is in Indiana. And to be honest, I don't really know much about what's going on with the marijuana scene in Indiana. So this is going to be pretty interesting for me to find out what's going on in our neighboring state. Well, I will let her tell you about what it is that she does. And uh, we met on LinkedIn and she agreed to participate in the podcast. So I think this is pretty cool. As always, if you want to participate in the podcast, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, you can always reach us Tuesdays through Thursdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can call the in-studio hotline for help with a resume or getting some guidance as far as getting into or growing your cannabis career. And that hotline number is area code 616-206-3240. Once again, 616-206-3240. And that connects, that connects you with us. Leave a voicemail and we will get in contact with you. Also, another way to reach us is at contact at rcannabis.org. OURcannabis.org, contact at rcannabis.org, and we will help polish your resume and uh, get you working in the cannabis industry. That's the, that's the mission. That's what we do here is we try to make as many resources available to you as we possibly can. So that's the whole point in the podcast, right? So let's get Melissa on the phone and dive in. I've got uh, my set of questions, and I'm really curious to learn about her and what it is she has going on down in Indiana. So let's give her a call right now. Hello. Hey, Melissa, it's Matt Hoffman. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Oh, another day at the office. Just uh, doing a whole bunch of podcasting today. So <laughs> my voice is getting <laughs> a, a workout. All right. Yeah. So um, I'm, oh, go ahead. Can I put you on speaker? Yeah. Knock yourself out. Okay. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? I can. Sweet. All right. Well, it's been a success so far, so that's good. <laughs> All right. So I fired off those uh, questions to you, and um, if some of them don't don't apply or don't make any sense, then we can just skip them. But I wanted to give you a heads up about some of the stuff that I was going to be asking, and, and really, it's just curi- it's just curiosities that I have and questions that I get from people that uh, they want me to ask when I talk to business owners and employers. So what, um, what, what's the story? Like what's your background? How did you, what's your position? What's your company? And uh, how did you get into the cannabis space? Um, her name is Jennifer. 
Um, and so that's a little bit about our company. Um, we really just started to get going in January. Um, I had been networking just locally with um, a couple of uh, women's groups. Um, so uh, one is called Kim and you. Um, and so I met those ladies, um, I think at the end of December, maybe last year or early January this year. And um, and then I, so I invited my friend Jennifer. She had just also quit her, um, her job. So she both worked for a, a large health insurance company called Anthem Inc. Um, that's local here to us. And, um, and so I took her to the, the February uh, meeting where you could bring a friend, and it was all about women's health. And so that kind of kicked off our um, start to, um, you know, our company. Um, of course, we have our situation now. So, you know, not, you know, our best um, traction, I think, is networking. Um, and so we'll have to sort of refigure that. But that's just a little bit about um, my company. Right on. Yeah. So. I'm not really familiar with what's going on in Indiana. Can you give me a rundown of like, is it a ballot drive? Is it legislative act action? Is it um, what's sort of happening there? Uh, well, so all the people that I've spoken with and so, you know, again, I'm a newbie. So if you want a little bit of background about um, probably who I am and maybe how I got started with cannabis, that would help uh, maybe preface some of this. So actually yeah. my, um, my son, uh, one of my three sons, but one of them, my middle son, um, actually got arrested um, in January of 2019. At that point, I still worked um, my corporate career that I had done for 23 years. So, um, you know, he got into a little bit of trouble there. Um, you know, I never have, you know, cannabis has never been a part of my life. Um, I wouldn't say that I really, you know, it wasn't some uh not really trying to um advocate for it to be away from me just you know not ever being engaged if you will right yeah. um and so when i was presented with that you know situation with my son i really had to make a decision um you know what am i going to do my corporate career took up the vast the vast majority of my time um i did a lot of traveling um, you know, to other countries, um, even within, you know, the United States, just being gone away from my home, even if I wasn't traveling, you know, dinners out and, you know, just things that took me away from my family quite a bit. And so, um, you know, so that happened with my son and I just, that was the thing I sort of dropped immediately. I just thought, well, I'm going to need to provide him all of my attention. And so, um, and so I did that. Um, and, so that's how I kind of left my corporate career. But then, you know, through that journey of trying to help my son, that was a long process last year of, you know, him being arrested, being in juvenile, um, trying to navigate that, really not knowing anything about it. Um, you know, he was with some adults. And so, um, you know, it, it turned into a, a really huge learning process for me to challenge um, all the traditions that I had grown up with about this plant and it being something negative and trying to understand it from my son's perspective so you know just a small bit of background about him you know he he was diagnosed with ADD at a very young age went to a public school and um you know had been on stimulants really most of his life and I had really never challenged that because I, I worked in the health insurance industry I had access to those medications um I understood how to navigate that you know, this whole system very well. And so it was, it was, you know, I was fine with medicating him that way. Um, but it did 
I think have some, you know, negative impacts on his, his life. And, um, and I watched that and, you know, it took something really large, unfortunately, for him, like him being arrested for, for me to really listen to him and say, I do not like this medicine that you're giving me. And I know there's something better for me. And I want you to listen. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's a huge amount of compassion to, to, yeah. to move from one foot to the total other. Uh, I mean, that, that sounds like a huge amount of love and listening. And I think that's uh, only a mom could, could do that. So <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, when, when families band together and work together, I, I think that's, that's one of the most unstoppable forces there are. So I'm a huge fan of, of family businesses. I'm in a, I'm in a family business as well. And as much as we could choke each other, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's still, you know, like no matter what you, you, your family always has your back. So I think that's really cool that, uh, that you, that you listen to him and then you came out swinging, uh, on his behalf. That's, that's really cool. And to come from, to come from an insurance, a corporate insurance position. I mean, that's, uh, that's the complete antithesis of plant-based medicine of, of cannabis. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. So, you know, as somebody who has gone through incarceration myself, uh, you know, it, it was brief, but it was intense. I can relate. And to go through that as, as a young person, it, it definitely, it will, it will leave a mark and hopefully it doesn't, um, hopefully it doesn't affect him as he, as he matures and grows up and he can, he can grow stronger from it. I mean, that, uh, to, to put it candidly, that sucks. I mean, it just, it sucks so bad that, that young people are affected in that way or that anybody's affected uh, for, for possession of, of a plant that is, is mostly at this point becoming ubiquitously available in, in one form or another. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, you can see why I think, you know, where for me, like I said, it's being on the opposite side of um, cannabis my whole life. Like I said, I've never been a, a person to say, you know, this should be illegal. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not really on that side. I just kind of am on the sidelines. Like, you know, I don't participate basically, but you know, this is basically forced me to participate um, because you know, of course, I love my son. You know, I'm a, I'm his mother, so I'm biased. But <laughs> in the same token, um, you know, just educating myself in a different way um, about, you know, rather than listen to um, the people who are closest to me, whom I love, who have always been, you know, my support system, continue to tell me that this is a bad thing and it's illegal, and and that's really the strongest argument most of the time. Yeah. And. You know, and, and so I get it, but, you know, we had to go, I had to go through an entire process of learning how to tell those people, those relationships in my life, um, you know, this is what's good for my son. And I know that. And I also know that it's good for me and lots of other people. And so, um, you know, those are hard stances to take. And, um, you know, again, just all inspiration for my company uh, about, I know that, you know, I live right here in the Midwest. I know that there are lots of women like me who, you know, we, we do think that we're doing what's good and what's right um, for our families, but maybe we're just not educated appropriately. And, you know, I have used some of those things like Elementa, Canamedu, um, Green Flower, um, you know, to get to educate myself so that I 
I know that I'm making good decisions. Um, and I think that other women will need that help too, as we know that, you know, in the near future, um, like I said, we expect it to be legal in Indiana, at least for medical. Well, yeah, I mean, medical is, medical is the linchpin and any, any focus on, on anything other than medical is, is, is a mistake. Um, from a, from an advocacy and from a professional lobbying perspective, which is, I wear so many freaking hats. It's unbelievable. But really that's, that's what I focus on is, is workforce development and talking with legislatures and the powers to be. And the only thing that we ever talk about to anyone is medical. We don't even talk about recreational because it's, it's recreational. And the truth is, is that when we look at cannabis, it is medicine and it is a, a, a derivative of, of joy. It's, it's, it's simultaneously these right. two things, but that doesn't fly. <laughs> you know, when you, we have to take advantage of what is in front of us and the medical designation and this attempted parsing at this, this plant is what we have right now. So we just, we gain ground where we can between you and I and everybody else in the know, we know it is what it is, but when dealing with, with, with legislatures or whether, whether municipalities or licensing boards or whoever it's, it's really adopting that posture of, of a medical and, and legitimate bona fide medical uses. And I think that the conversations that you have with your family, I have, you know, I, Hoffman's, there's just a ton of us and uh, you know, I'll go to Christmas and my aunt and uncle will go, Oh Matt, are you still a drug dealer? I go, uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I am totally. Yeah. Yeah. You want to buy a bag? <laughs> like <laughs> I could sell weed, like get out of here. You don't have no idea what I do, but that's the, that's the stigma still. It's, you know, Oh, Matt's a drug dealer. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, but it really, that's, that's the rubber meeting the road. That's where the impact comes in is that if a stranger comes and tells me something, I'm going to be like, whatever, I don't care about their opinion. But if a close friend or a family member comes to me and tells me the exact same thing, two seconds later, I'm going to listen to them because I trust them. So it's, it's really impactful to kind of do that grinding work of, of just kind of showing up and, and saying, look, look at the effects that this is having on, on someone that you care about and I care about and look at the positive benefits that are coming from this and letting people come to it their own way. It's, so I think that's, that's significant. I think that, um, you said something earlier about, there's probably a lot of women like you. I, I would, I would disagree because it boils down to action and there are people that are, that would share your beliefs and my beliefs, but don't act on them. And that's the difference between the movers and shakers and the people that do and the people that are the supporters. And I think that's really important to have to have the the leaders and then have the supporters behind it. But the fact that you had this radical thing happen to you and then you probably very painfully and nimbly pivoted from one position to another and then said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go a step further and I'm going to pursue this professionally. I think that's significant. So well done. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's neat. And that, that matters. The the industry right now and what we're starting to see is 
and and this is I've been doing this for over a decade, so it this is nothing new for me. This is just the new thing. Um, we had this inrush of investors and Silicon Valley guys and finance guys that uh, were the self-proclaimed geniuses of business that were going to come in here and show all these wild west cannabis cowboys how to run these companies. And what we're beginning to see is epic failures, which you know, myself and my other bearded hippie friends, we, we knew this was going to happen and, and sure enough, it's happening now. And what's, what's, what it's done is it's cracked open and it's created an opportunity for the, for the true believers, the people that have drank the Kool-Aid in the way that you have and the way that I have and a lot of other people have. And it's, it, it's showing the, the power of dedication and passion. And that's something that when I talk to other employers, the job seekers that want to work, everybody wants to work in, in cannabis. They, they do. But when they're given a choice between working with someone like you or someone who like is uh, MedMen, they choose, they choose you more often than not. Or they'll go to MedMen and they'll go, oh my God, I wish I wasn't here. So it's really important to see that, that passion and that dedication come from the top down. So I think you've really got that going for you is um, it shows a commitment and that is something that your team will see and they'll go, okay, Melissa's all in. Like she's, she's here for the mission. She's here for us. Like this is good. So yeah, you know, and so you answered one of my questions of, did you choose this or did it just kind of happen? And it sounds like it kind of happened and then you just leaned into it. So that's, yeah, that's, that, that's good. I didn't, when I, when I grew up, I didn't go, Hey, you know what I want to do? I want to, I want a dispensary and a grill operation. Like never in, never in my lifetime did I think that I would be doing what I'm doing. So yeah, you, I, you've experienced some, some significant drama and, and fear, but what's the overall experience been? You know, I mean, well, are you out of the woods with all that? And then What's your experience? I mean, like, has it been fun? Is it, has it been worth doing? Yeah. Yeah. So success for me, um, you know, um, so, you know, success for my son as well. He's, you know, he's one of the, I think it's a very small percentage of people who actually, you know, successfully complete their probation and um, come off of that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I've been able to, um, you know, help guide him really. Um, it, but it was a whole process of trying to find, you know, a little bit different lifestyle for him. Um, and he is to graduate, you know, here in a couple of weeks. So he's a 2019 graduate. <laughs> so all good for him um, again. And then, you know, once I was able to take my focus off of him and then, you know, try to, again, you know, what do I do now? Like, you know, I don't have a career and, a, and my son is, you know, it's successfully on his way. So what do, how do I look at this situation and turn it into something positive? And that's really what I tried to do. So it became about experimentation for myself. and. Um, you know, um, it, while my company is still very new, we do have a mission, you know, to, um, to help women find whole body wellness through cannabis because I, nice. you know, it's something that I believe in now. And, you know, I started with baby steps again, you know, I'm taking green flower courses on, you know, cannabis fundamentals because, you know, in, in the conversations that I've been in, um, with networking here locally, you know, some of the conversation is a little bit over my head. I don't understand some of the acronyms. 
it's it's almost like when I was in the health insurance industry in customer service, you know, and you use acronyms that are, you know, common to your industry. So I'm really trying to catch up with um, with all of that. But it's a plant that I believe in um, is it's something that I think has helped me even. So I'm a person who has no, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't have no issues, but you know what I mean? Like right. I don't have any medical I don't take any prescription drugs on the right on a regular basis of any kind, and um, you know I'm 42, so you know I have you know the, the normal aches and pains. But I find that cannabis is the thing that helps me sleep so well. You know, here I I'm a mom of four children. Um, I have a husband. I have you know I run a house. I, I did have a, a career which I spent, like I said, a good amount of time on, and just. Sometimes just trying to find a little piece of yourself is really difficult, and I feel like that's something that cannabis does. Um, and you know, and then again, sleep. Oh, I love the sleep. I think I've never slept better in my life. And <laughs> again, something that people should know and share. And you know, and I've experimented. You know, I've gone around. Um, you know, I've, I've shopped local CBD shops because we have quite a few popping up here. Um, I was actually looking for my own retail space before, you know, the coronavirus uh, sort of put us, you know, back in our houses. But there, you know, there's so many things to explore. And I just think, you know, I, I'm so excited to know about them, to be researching them, to be using them for my own body and feeling completely like myself. And like, a, you know, again, it's illegal here, but I, it's okay. I, you know, I, I 100% believe that it's, uh, it's healthy for everyone. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, you know, cannabinoids in our body to accept it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you made a couple of really good points there. And the one thing that I noticed as, as we service people is the number one thing, it doesn't matter what, if, if someone has a stub toe or if they have gnarly cancer, the first thing that goes when a person's suffering is quality of rest. and and cannabis seems to, across the board, increase the quality of sleep that people get. And I think just if, if that's all it did, that's more than enough. But it does so much more, yeah. which is fantastic. But it's it's yeah. so interesting. Like you are typical in the way of you're like the the archetype of a, of a cannabis user, a mom who is tired and after the kids go to bed, you can sit on the couch with your husband and you can consume cannabis in whatever form you prefer and you can just zone out and go to sleep. Like that is 80% of most people's cannabis consumption is to do that very thing right there. And yeah, yeah it, it's just that simple. It's just wind down and have some space for yourself. Yeah. You boil it right down to so much about how we, can and will carry out our day, no matter what our, what our day is involved with, um, is it is dependent on how we feel and how we feel is dependent on how well we're rested. And yeah. uh, it's a whole, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I just, I think it's a fabulous thing. And <laughs> unfortunately, it took me a long time to find it uh, or, you know, to feel comfortable with it. But now that I'm in, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's readily, readily clear. <laughs> yeah. And that's, <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you are taking some online classes and, you know, talk to me about that because that is something that comes up quite a bit and, there is good and bad out there and there is outright 
predatory as well. So I'm curious to know, especially because you're, you're neophyte, you're so new to this. What, what have you found as far as educational resources to build your knowledge? What's worked? And then also what, what should, what have you found where you've gone? Oh my God, like that's, that's a toxic pit over there. I should stay away. So what's good and what's bad? Um, you know what? I, I think I have found the, um, so for education, I think I really have been diving into everything. What can I read online articles? I've been trying, you know, mostly to use LinkedIn in a fashion that is, um, you know, not necessarily right now uh, marketing my company because I, I'm still learning, right? But I'm trying to follow and connect with people who are local to me. And that's a difficult thing, I think, to, uh, you know, when you uh, certainly jumping industries like I am, right? Like I want people to trust me, but that's, a, you know, I'm learning how to do that on LinkedIn. But so following people, I think, who are writing about cannabis, who are visiting. So a lot of the people that I'm following are, you know, have been in the industry obviously way longer than me but for a long time and and i like to read their you know their articles things that they're publishing um i'm following you know all kinds of things that you would you know corporations writings that you would follow there um but i used um i hooked up with um Hannah Medu. so that's a local company um heather deers and Pam trap are the co-founders of that that's really the first place i went um where I, you know, it's the first place I told the story that I told you. Um, you know, I hadn't really told any, any of my friends that, um, you know, that, that weren't like in my inner, inner circle, right? So mm-hmm. they introduced me to um, a couple of companies. Green Flower was one of them. And so um, the very first probably official course that I took was the fundament, Fundamentals of Cannabis through uh, Green Flower. And, um, you know, and Max Simon is the CEO and he posts, you know, regularly on there. He's also, um, an ADD. So that, you know, Max is right up with my son. And, um, so really, I think that was great education. The thing that I, the interesting for me of what, you know, what I learned in Greenflower is practical application. Um, and, and that's what I'm struggling with most now because, you know, the few little meetings that I did have, you know, networking here locally, I, I got through Canamedu. Um, they they put on, I think, a monthly elementary meeting. So I think that's a, another company where they do um, women's health and wellness through, you know, about education or education about cannabis. And um, so I would attend those. And that's where I got to meet people, you know, really. is, And that's where everything is, is being able to talk to other you know, uh, well, I met some hemp farmers and, and, and really that's the understanding part for me. When I was in health insurance, I did operations. So customer service and claims, right? Those are like the kind of the heartbeat of your company. That's the, those are the people using your product, right? And, um, and I think you have to know that very well. That's something that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around. You know, I want to know the products that I would either be recommending or, or maybe even selling, you know, even selling in my future, future dispensary. So I think Greenflower is great. I think, you know, I don't know that I have a ton, you know, to offer in terms of, you know, how to educate yourself other than go research. I mean, you know, you can Google anything and there are so many people who are willingly writing about their experience and, you know, the products that they're using and how they help them. Um, my girlfriend did buy me a book um, and it was, you know, 
I'll have to get you the exact title. I don't have it right behind me, but it was kind of a, a women's flavor, flavor to cannabis. You know, how do you use these products? And, um, and, you know, and that's sort of the feel that I needed, I think, to understand some of the things that I had read about, you know, and but that maybe I don't completely absorb, if you will. Yeah. So thinking about going on the internet and, and finding information that um, I would say just, just like citing a paper, you know, writing for college, like where the information comes from, the source matters for sure. And so the question is, how does a person tell if someone is credible or not? How did you? Um, how did I? Yeah. How did you, how did you go? Okay. Yeah. This person, this person seems to have a, a pretty good handle on, on their subject matter. And I'm going to, I'm going to trust them to, to educate myself. How yeah. did you make that decision? So, so online, I think, you know, is, is a little bit easier because it's, you know, you can read their, you know, that you can read what they're writing about and sort of research the facts immediately if that's the stuff that you're interested in. Um, to shop locally, I have found um, that I, you know, exactly what you say. Um, I, I've been, I've visited several and, and for the reason of education. So there's a CBD, there are local CBD shops here that um, I've been in and, you know, as just a customer, not even, you know, really explaining anything about my story, but what is your store about? What are you selling? And there are stores that just have, you know, walls lined with product and I, of all varieties, you know, products, products for your pet, products for of every kind of imagine, every kind of brand. And that, and it, in the service that I got there with my questions, you know, because again, I'm new and it's perfectly fine for me to kind of go in secret shop, right? And find out like, what do you know about the product that you're selling me? This is a, this is something I'm ingesting in my body. That's important to me. Um, so I have found all the way from, I don't feel like you really, you just want me to buy this product. You haven't been able to demonstrate in any way that, that I should purchase it. But I went ahead and purchased that product anyway because I felt the need to bring it home with me and do further investigation. Um, so I've had that on the spectrum. And then, you know, I have had, you know, like I said, I've met uh, a, a couple through um, one of the networking sessions that I did that had on a hemp farm. And they were absolutely fantastic. I mean, the two hours that I had with them, oh, it was it was probably, you know, for me, a, a month's worth of education. Um, you know, they have a farm here local um, where they grow hemp, and they, they had a little bit of trouble last year in the neighborhood of, I think, teenagers trying to, thinking that it was, you know, marijuana, and they were going to get high with it. So, um, and they have... Um, you know, it, it, it just, they have a big warehouse and, and they just, you know, were open about talking to me. I could just tell mm. that, you know, they, they knew what they were talking about. They've been doing this for a long time. They talked about their struggles and they're a seed company actually. And, um, you know, it just, I don't know. I, it just felt right. It just, every question I asked about anything, they were able to answer the why and why it was important and, you know, it's not just, here's a product. I want you to buy it. It has a pretty label. Yeah. So, so that's how I feel. Well, yeah, that's, and thank you for sharing. You know, as a business owner, it's good to, to walk into something with your eyes open as, and learn as much as you can beforehand because and cannabis is wild. Uh, even, 
even today, it's, it's still wild. So it's four, four warriors, four armed. So on that note, let's talk about the other hand. Have you run into the sharks yet? Consultants that, uh, yeah, I'll help you write a business plan at $70,000. Have you run into those guys yet? Yeah, no, I haven't, but <laughs> I have noticed that, um, yeah. you know, as soon as I updated my LinkedIn, I did get several, hey, how can we help you? And, you know, we've got lots of product and wholesale, wholesale, wholesale. So nobody really, um, but again, I think, you know, the benefit of me is, you know, taking baby steps is, you know, I did update my LinkedIn today. Yes, I have a company and I, I have, you know, plans to take it forward, but I'm, I'm certainly not looking for, for that. And, um, but yeah, I would, I would, if I were, if anybody was getting any sort of email, I would probably, get, or, or recommendation from LinkedIn to, to hurry up and buy something. I would say no, because I've seen that. I've seen that locally here. There are a couple of different CB stores, the CBD stores that I've been in that, um, you know, I just, I look around and I wonder how, how, why do you have this much product and, and are you moving, right? Well, yeah, I mean, CBD is a totally, totally different animal than, than traditional oh, yes. cannabis. Yeah, that's. But a, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, from, um, again, from, you know, a business owner perspective of, I, I assume that those folks are ready, are trying to position themselves for, you know, what's coming in the future. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think the, I think the barrier to entry into can into CBD is much, much lower. Um, when we look at the existing marketplaces, you know, medical, there, depending on the States, of course, it, there are some pretty significant hurdles to get over. But that being said, Oklahoma is not Michigan and Michigan is not Colorado. And, Neither of them are Florida or Massachusetts. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's really dependent. So one of the questions that I've been wondering is, do you move? Do you, do you move to Oklahoma? Do you move to, to Michigan to start something? Uh, or do you just hang out in, in Indiana and, and just keep pushing the legislative agenda? Yeah. So for me, um, it's, um, <laughs> It's not set in stone. I mean, I was born and raised here, so I, you know, I'm comfortable here. But, um, you know, I made the decision really when I left my corporate career. I kind of knew I was taking care of myself, even though, even if I didn't know, you know, where I was going to land. I jumped off the cliff. So, um, I, I mean, I'm open and flexible to to not be um, located in Indiana. Um, my partner, I'm not sure if she's uh, up on the week, but you know, we can work virtually. So, um, for me, it's yeah, it's about carrying out what I what I believe now to be my mission in life, and uh, not necessarily about where I'm located. And um, yeah, so, so I'm open for. I'm I'm gonna put you on this. I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you were gonna move based on based on market saturation, market maturity, and your position and ability to participate in a market. Looking at the map of the United States, where would you go? Well, well, I think that's a tough one for me. Oh yeah, that yeah that that was 
Yeah, I threw a bullseye with that one. I know what I did. <laughs> and, I, and, and not I really having, don't know. Yeah, and that's that's totally that's one hundred percent fine. And but that's definitely a question that I would I would answer. Um, you know, on, on on your own for sure. So another question I have is and and I'm not looking for company secrets. I'm not that's that's not what I do. I'm just I'm curious where, where you're at compared to other stuff and things like that. So if you don't want to answer, or you don't want to tell me, just say so. Um, are you, are you fundraising? Are you giving out equity in, in a company? Are you self-funded? Talk to me about the, the, the nuts and bolts of how do you finance your operation? Yeah. So, so far I've just been self-funding, um, you know, and, um, that's, you know, that's sort of the difficulty of the time that we're in right now. I really felt like we were kind of going to get going pretty quick, moving pretty quickly in the first quarter. It just seemed like things were falling right into place. But um, obviously, that's, we're both sideways there. But, I, I you know, I'm self-funded and I, you know, I'm still having to, you know, work, um, if you will. I just do a little bit of consulting on the side. It doesn't pay great, but it doesn't pay bad and it's not steady. But um, you know, or you just do what you have to do. And, um, I have been, um, another thing that I've been, that has been awesome on LinkedIn, um, since, you know, I've been stuck at home or we've all been stuck at home. Again, back to education, I've been signing up for anything that comes my way free. So, mm-hmm, right. um, Republic, I did, I watched the, um, the, um, the CEO founder, uh, that had the whole hour was being left. So I did that one. Um, it was awesome. Um, and just, there was just another one last week, um, you know, and they're talking about fundraising and how difficult that is. And, you know, so, you know, again, I'm new, um, and, and not really there yet, but still those are, those are on my list for education of, you know, who, who should I be following and looking at when I'm ready for that? Yeah. And where you're at is where we all started for sure. And it's, uh you know, it's scary for sure. <laughs> it, and yeah. as a fellow cliff jumper myself, I, I can completely relate to where you are. So, you know, don't, don't ever feel like bad or embarrassed by not having answers. I, <laughs> I had more questions. The more that I developed my business plan, which ended up being as thick as a freaking phone book, uh, the more questions mm-hmm. I had, I was just like, Oh my God, like, oh, how do I deal with this? How do I figure this out? And it was, you know, 10 years ago, it was the same thing of how do I find a, a credible source of information to do some of the practical executions to actually make this thing happen. And, uh, it's, it's very different now. I think that sourcing information was much more difficult then, but the yeah. credibility of that information was significantly higher. Um, now it's much more easy to get, but it's, it's also, equally as treacherous as far as who you're dealing with. And so what I'm thinking about is people, people make companies. It's the people that's really what makes it up. And there are key positions in any operation that they've got to be a good fit culturally and they've got to be competent at what they do. So what are some of the strategies that you're thinking of as far as, operations like okay how do you find someone that can come in 
and set up a metric system or, or set up your point of sale system or do training for your staff. And then how do you not get fleeced by all these freaking consultants? Because I'm, I'm telling you, they'll bleed you dry. They will. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little jaded on the consultants. If you can't tell. Yeah. So, you know, with my company, uh, my Canada's company not really being operational, if you will, yet, um, I can only speak to, you know, what I've done in the past as, you know, through leadership. And, um, you know, I, I find it, number one, it's very important to stay close to your product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter what position you have in the company, the product is what you're selling. And, you know, in this case, the product is what people are ingesting. And, you know, it's important. The quality of it is important. And, you know, it's, you know, that's just, that's, that's key. And, and I think that that is a, you know, is really something that you should just echo all the way down, you know, from top down. And that goes to your operations. I think in, depending on the size of your company, but certainly the larger it gets, um, the, Operations um, can tend to feel like the drag, if you will. You know what I mean? It's um, it's generally that that position in um, a corporation where um, you know it it takes a lot of money to sustain that thing for whatever reason. And the you know the budget is small and this and that. But in in Canada's world, what I love about it is you know, is that it, it is a product that you're putting in your body. So it is extremely important. You know, all of the things. And there's a ton of regulation I know that really I don't even understand all of or could get into really with you, but I know that that is a, a huge piece of it. And so operations, you know, I what has always sort of broken my heart because I spent my whole life in operations of a company um, is that, you know, it it's not looked at um, in the same light as, you know, a higher type position, but it really bumps everything that you're doing. And the people that are there and, and everything you said, how they're trained, how connected they are to the very next person in line for them, their supervisor, their manager, how well that person knows them, their strengths and, and opportunities, the amount of time that you spend with them. Because if you want them to love your product and create an awesome product for you, you have to care about them too. It's a two-way street. And, um, you know, that's the number one thing I love about, um, you know, of being a leader is helping people find that thing. You know, even though sometimes we have our sights set on a position because it has a title or it has, um, you think it's going to be what you want. <laughs> um, but when you get there, maybe it's not. And, and, and you either have to make the decision, do I struggle to stay here? And, you know, because I am, I'm not as successful as I should be, or I want to be, or is there a different position? And, and something that I've seen in operations and larger companies, you know, is a lot of, of turnover related to that when, you know, it costs a lot of money to train somebody. And you really want to, you know, you just don't want to say, here's, here's my product and here's how you make it. Um, it's important that they, you know, that they're connected to it so that they do a good job. But you have to also be connected to them. And same thing with outsourcing. You know, I could probably go on a rant about that. But again, the further away from your product you are, the less you know about it. You know, I, I, I think I, I just think it's important to be close to your product and, and close to the operations of that product. So yeah, yeah, I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it's people think that the executive or being the boss is living in a bubble in the, in the white tower on high, and it is not. And, and 
especially in cannabis, in my experience as a vertical operator, uh, in my experience as a vertical operator, the number one thing that I realized was that I'm a steward of my people and it's my job to overly communicate with my people and find out every small nuance, every little, every little issue that they had. And it's, I had the power to come in and rectify that. So for example, we had those ergonomic mats and we put, I had two of them, but where they would stand to do a a task was where the two mats met. And an employee said, Hey, that's, I'm standing on that. I trip on it. It's hard to clean. I got to pick up two mats when I mop. It's really annoying. And I said, okay, throw them in the garbage. And I went and bought one big mat. And I think that's important for morale. And that leads into one of my next questions is, is about morale and really gluing everybody together. But in cannabis, it's, it's all about the nuance. It's all about the details and the people that aren't in those decision maker positions. If they're not keyed in on what's happening in operations, that business is toast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many millions of dollars they have, they have in the coffers and how many series they can run. It, it doesn't matter if they, if they can't maximize their outputs and economize their processes, <laughs> they're toast because smaller, more proficient operators will come in and they'll reduce their cost of goods grown and they'll just outpace everybody. And that's when I'm, you know, when I built, when I built my company, it was very, you know, we were plucky and scrappy and we had to do everything ourselves. And it was a, it was a nightmare because that's not how you build. That's how you build a small business. And I never wanted a small business. I wanted a, a corporation. I wanted an enterprise. And I'm a huge believer in the many hands making light work and putting aces in their places and having people focus on their strengths. I, I, my weaknesses, I have team members that fill in my weaknesses. I don't even care about my weaknesses. I focus on what I'm great at. And so thinking about you walking into this, I think what you're doing as far as networking is, is very valuable. And I think that it would, it would serve you very well to find, to find some people that have some core competencies in, in retail operations. There's, there's a lot that goes into setting up these compliance systems and developing standard operating procedures and getting the framework up that way employees know what their expectations are and they know what the job is and they know how to do it. So I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see your journey as a business owner and, and especially, and I, I don't know where Indiana's at is it sounds like things are happening there, which is awesome, but I'm really curious to see how this kind of all shakes down because it's really, it's really about collaboration and, and teaming up and, and finding those those people that can fill in your weaknesses. So yeah, that yeah. that's just a, that's my rant. <laughs> so. No, it's good. I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, I, I, I agree. And I think that the, you know, the things that I, again, I, I have limited education, um, but, you know, even to try to open a dispensary, you know, I, it's just the things I've read about, you know, the, 
the requirements. And then, like you said, employees really have to be on top of everything that's happening. You really can't have, you know, there can't be any, well, we just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, there can be, there's no slipping. There's, there's none. And the, the penalties for, for infractions or violations, at, le- at least in Michigan, are, are very steep and they compound. And so it's really about finding the right people that not only align with what your beliefs are and what your mission is. And it seems like you're using your time. You know, it, it doesn't seem like you're idling and that's good because you can flush out mission statements and values and, and there's so many other things that you could be doing. And I think that that's time well spent. Um, eventually you'll get to a point where you go, Oh my God, like we gotta, we gotta get into operations because I've got everything done. <laughs> that's, that's usually where yeah. people get frustrated. Uh, yeah, that's where, yeah, that's, where, you know, it, I think, I don't, I hate to, for the words to even come out of my mouth, but you know, the, the easy part kind of is what I'm doing right now, right? Like trying to learn and, you know, put things together electronically, you know, here's my company name, here's the mission, but yeah, you're right. The real work is, is in, is in doing it and, and getting, getting a good product, having a good product and then getting it to market. Yeah. How do you feel about what you've budgeted for from not to doors open? How do you feel about the money that you have access to? Do you think it's enough? Um, no. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> I don't I don't even have a lot. So, um, you know, so that's kind of uh where I am. Um when I left my uh my corporate position, we <laughs> You know, I wasn't in a state of, you know, feeling like I needed money right at the time, but um, it, it didn't take long, you know, probably three to six months. And I thought, well, I'm going to need more money. So, and I hadn't really started my company at the time. I hadn't done the, hadn't done the LLC paperwork, but I did. I just cashed out my 401k. I mean, I spent such a long time there, um, you know, and I really have, you know, been a good little girl and saving and, you know, trying to do, again, you know, following on my little traditions. And um, so I'm very thankful. I feel very blessed that I had that career um, and that I had the opportunity to do all that. So I did cash out my 401k last year. Um, I feel comfortable with that. I mean, I, you know, I have to deal with the the ramifications of that certainly this year, but um, I, and I don't have a lot of money to throw into this. Again, another reason why I'm taking baby steps, but um, you know, I'm determined to do it as much as I can on my own, I know that I will need partners and help and, you know, and I feel good about being able to make those connections when I, when I need them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Yeah. You're, you went all in. I, uh, I am, I told you, um, I like, there is no plan B for me. Actually plan B is that I can sell my house and that will get me a little further along after that. We're going to wing it. <laughs> oh no, don't do that. Jeez. No way. Uh, I've been to, oh man, no way. I, we, we cashed in. We started, we started hand grown with $37,000 and it was all we had in, in retirement. And, uh, oh my God, we lost money for three years and, uh, and eventually ended up turning that into, I mean, substantially more, but it was a different market. It was a different world. It was a different time. But, uh, oh God, that was crazy. (laughs) How did the bank, I mean, the bank lost their mind. 
I mean, like the the general manager came out and they're like, "What are you doing? Like, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did how did your bank take that? <laughs> Were they shocked? My bank? Yeah. Oh no. Uh, I mean, it was an electronic transfer, so I oh. so that's not my 401k. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you missed out on a on a doozy human reaction. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh yeah, that uh, you would have you would have blown someone's mind at a bank if you'd have walked in there and, and done it in person. They would have lost it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Yeah, you're you're all in. Um, okay, so thinking, which I I like. I mean, it's freaking dangerous without a doubt. And this is this is a very hard thing that you're pursuing, and it's incredibly expensive. And there are going to be a lot of things that people are going to tell you you need to spend money on, and you don't. And I would say that finding partners, hammering out your value proposition as far as a partner is, is important. I'm sure you're on that. And then the business plan, of course, and all the stuff that goes in into that. But the passion, the passion is what really people want as far as working with someone. But as far as like practical stuff, cause that's, I'm, I'm, I'm steeped in operations. That's really like, if, if we have a meeting, like, yeah, let's talk about the 30,000 foot view and rah, rah, okay, enough. Now let's get back to work. Like I, I don't really like to hang out there too much. I like boots on the ground stuff. So thinking about what it takes to open a, a retail center is three times as much time and money as you have. <laughs> there's no way around it, but there's a trend in the industry to move towards that, the Apple store model. And as nice as, as it is, it's very expensive. And then there's also on the other end, there doesn't seem to be much mental ground in cannabis, by the way, there's, there's the really like, um, hokey crocodile with sunglasses and a cowboy hat, like very eclectic type of thing. Um, and I don't think any of that stuff matters at all. None of it. If people walk in and they feel warmed and welcome and you condition and train your staff to be, warm and friendly and accommodating and anticipating and focus on remembering people's names, like a, like a neighborhood bartender or a barber and asking all the, all the questions. If you focus on, on your people and you focus on the people that you serve, no one will give a crap if you have marble countertops or not, nobody will care. It's all about the people. So I would invest in the people, forget the building. You could put, you could put a dispensary in the middle of the desert and people will still come there. It doesn't, the location doesn't necessarily matter, matter. So you don't have to get into a slug match with anybody to get to prime real estate. You know, it's not McDonald's. So it's very much, if you build it, they'll come. People in the space are highly sensitive to the price. So there's, there's a lot of price elasticity, just like with gasoline, you know, people will drive an extra five miles to save a cent, to save one cent on a yeah. gallon, which makes no sense, but people will do that. And then what I found was, I liked how you said that you would try a bunch of products, but at a certain point in time, like I'm, when I consume cannabis, I can't function. 
I'm just not a functioning human being. So I really stopped sampling stuff just because I needed to work, you know, 18 hour days for months on end. Um, I just didn't have the time to, to kind of lose my mind. So what I did is I made everybody my guinea pigs and I, I would say, I would go and I'd, I'd see a, a customer and I would say, oh, hey, Stephanie, you tried Night Nurse. How was it? What did it do for you? And then I would go and I would talk to somebody else and I would say, oh, you know, and I wouldn't, wouldn't use anybody's last name or anything. Oh, you know, Stephanie had this experience. And so I leveraged the group knowledge and, and said, oh, other people have had this and now this is most likely what's going to happen for you. So back to the, the rubber meeting the road where I invested and where I give any, any advice in investing is, is in your staff, is in your people and really creating a culture of service and education and the baby steps, you know, the small bites of information are are really helpful and, and making it a, a, making it a place where people can come and become educated. Because the truth is, is that for the most part, good weed is good weed, bad weed is bad weed. It, it, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. What people really look for is the experience. So it's, it sounds like you're, you're on that path. Um, but the moment that you say, I'm, I'm Melissa and I'm opening a, a dispensary, you're going to be, you're going to be swamped with lawyers and accountants and consultants and buyer beware because I have seen people that are the smoothest, slickest people in the world and they're just totally duds. And I've seen guys that are just like, you would go, oh my God, is that a homeless person? <laughs> and they're just amazing. And so it's very, very hard to, to judge people from, from a, a new perspective. And so keep doing what you're doing and, and expose yourself to as many people as you can. That way you'll start to get a lay of the land as far as like, who are the sharks and the charlatans and, and who are the people that you can actually go to? Um, what you'll find is there are people that will, well, they'll just tell you anything. You know, they'll just say, oh, whatever, ask your questions. And if I can answer, I will. And then there will be people that will go like, like being at a therapist. Okay. Well, your hour is up and you can pay me and I'll answer your, your next question. And I would stay away from those people um, as, as far as you can. And uh, try to find the guys that have like neck tattoos and beards. And uh, they're a little bit like reclusive. Try to find those people because those are most likely your your core cannabis operators. If, if you were to say, Hey Matt, what does a cannabis guy look like? I'd say they look like me. They're a white dude with a beard and, uh, and, and probably a bunch of tattoos and they don't really take any shit from anybody. Uh, those are the guys you want to find because they'll, if you can get in with them, they can connect you with other people that, that are credible and that will, will set you straight. I've, I've heard firsthand a couple stories about people just being taken off in the woods and just left there and just totally fleeced. And, um, I hate that. I really do because it makes, yeah. it makes, it, it makes my job harder and it makes us look bad. So 
Yeah, that's uh that's my unsolicited advice about what I would do if I was in your spot. I would not you spend know, a yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I had thought about, you know, um, and I don't know, maybe this is the place where, you know, those people are, are um are looking for people like me because, you know, one of the first things I did start for research was um, you know, what are like convention C T V conventions, cannabis conventions, what are these Oh my God. Oh, it's a, it's a shit show. It's a money grab for sure. It's a, because traditional, traditional people go, Hey, that's, that's where I network. That's where I face to face. That's where, that's where I go. But the truth is, is that there are more cannabis and CBD conventions than I could ever. I mean, I could ever even begin to imagine that's just in Michigan. And It's just, it's a lot of, it is some people that go, Hey, you know what? I'm going to sell a booth for $3,000 or $500. And I'm going to promise that thousands of people are going to show up and whether they do or not, I don't care. It's not refundable and doesn't matter to me. So it's a, it's a revenue source for these event promoters and, um, the high time events, they used to be, they were just a party and and everyone knew that's what it was. And it was a, it was a place to go. And if you were a grower, you know, to, to be measured and, and find out the packing order for that, for that year. And, and, and that was nice, but the high time events now, if you just want to go and get high and party, then cool, go for it. As far as a professional networking event, (laughs) nope. Um, There's the cannabis conference, MJ, MJ BizCon in Vegas. That's interesting. That's probably one of the more credible ones to go to. If if, if you were going to go to one, I would probably go to one of those just because they, they have the draw. Um, there's hemp fest in Seattle. I'm not really familiar with that. There's hash bash in Michigan, which again is just a big party. I would say unequivocally do not buy a booth. Don't it's a, oh, enormous. If you got money to throw away, then knock yourself out. But, there's no way that I would, no way, um, you know, go and, and walk around, but more often than not, it's, it's just like, I'm sure that you've been to expos and it's, it's just a typical expo, except for there's probably a lot more weed at these expos yeah. openly than there is anywhere else. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, and I have found this to be true. Um, you know, again, I think I mentioned earlier, like, you know, so trying to be a credible networker, right? Like I, I'm trying to, you know, reach out to people mostly through LinkedIn um, to connect locally because, you know, I haven't had a, a great opportunity to, to do that. There was a few short months there and then it was kind of put on hold other than virtually. And, yeah. and I just haven't built up enough, um, you know, contacts yet to, to be able to do that. So, there are some things local like normal and um, there's a couple of um, hemp. Um, I think there's like a Midwest hemp council. And, you know, so I have done some research on those to try to figure out, you know, just like you said, like what, where should I be spending my time? And, you know, where's the, where's the best investment to make sure that, you know, things are, mo- I know things are moving forward for Indiana and um, you know, I can participate in that. There are uh, like guilds and organizations 
and I'm 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 biased. I mean, I'm 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 jaded because they don't they don't actually do anything. And what I found is some of the organizations, even the more well-known large ones, um, they don't have like any social butterflies. They don't have any mixers in there. Me, if if when I go to a party, I say hello to every person in the room immediately, and I do it throughout the night. I don't I don't need someone to do that for me. That's what I do naturally. Yeah. But other people aren't that way, and especially in the digital space, people, it's very strange in cannabis, people are still very reserved about talking about what they do. And for me, you know, we had to be clandestine and, and hide our operations when we won our first, when our, when we won our first uh, Michigan-based cannabis competition. It was the largest in the state, and we sent a proxy up to collect our trophy we didn't want to be seen. So for me to be able to talk openly about cannabis and do a podcast and this and that and the other, it's, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Which is very strange that a lot of the people that are in the space didn't go through the stigma or kind of like the, the battle zone that was early days of cannabis, but they are still hesitant to talk to anybody, even though the person that's reaching out to them is the chair of a committee. So I found my experience in some of these professional organizations to just be an utterly waste of my time and money that I wasn't getting the meaningful connections with people that clearly had value. Um, I wasn't getting the the support or I wasn't getting the engagement from some of the liaisons in the organizations to say, Hey, you know what? You, you should, you should talk to this person. Let me introduce you. you know, have you been to a party where there's a good hostess or a host that does that? Yeah. The organizations that, that I participated in don't have those people. And I think that it does a huge disservice for not only the organization, but everybody as well. So maybe. I, I think right. I haven't seen any of that. I mean, anything that I've you know tried to connect with, they have a newsletter. <laughs> Certainly they've asked me for donations, but I don't know that yeah. there's been any sort of reach out. So. And I, and again, I knew maybe I haven't given things enough time, but. Now, I'm, I'm glad to hear your perspective because I think that, you know, reiterates what I've already heard locally. And I 100% agree with you that the little bit of time that I did get to spend, you know, with people, meeting new people um, is really was more valuable to me than probably, you know, most of the things that I've, you know, tried to do on my own. Oh, okay. Pro tip. Two of them. One, and it might be different in... Most certainly different in Indiana, but your grow shops, your hydroponic shops are, they are the seat of all cannabis knowledge. It's all there and go and be like a shop dog. Go be so freaking annoying at that shop that eventually they'll, the shop, the guys at the shop will, uh, they'll open up to you and they'll start to talk to you. So that's how I got started. I was just so freaking annoying that they ended up giving me a job to shut me up. Um, so the, the hydroponic shops are an incredible source of knowledge. So that's, that's one low hanging fruit that you could go after. The next thing is, you know, I, I like every other business owner went, Oh my God, well, where do I find my clients? You know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Cold calling people before coronavirus, cold calling people, was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And especially people that don't want to be called, that that go through corporate veils and their attorneys to be hidden. 
They don't want to be called by me or anybody ever. So it was very challenging to find clients or to find credible people that, that were serious. Now, you can talk to everybody and their brother's mother about cannabis and this and that and the other, but at the end of the day, 80, 90% of them at cliff's edge won't jump in. So I don't, I, I, I don't want to talk to all these people that are just going to piss in my ear and waste my time. I don't have time for that because I'm here to play the game and win. So I want to find the other people that are, that are here to play too. And what I found was anytime there was a, any legislative act, action, anytime there was a licensing hearing, anytime there was anything locally or at the state level, I threw on a suit and tie and I was there every single meeting I was there. And I'm the type of person that even if I have nothing to say, I'm going to go up to the microphone and I'm going to, I'm going to say something. There's times where I would go up and I would, someone else would speak before me and I would say, hi, my name is Matt Hoffman. And I would just like to echo what Mr. Smith had just said. He's a fantastic speaker. He represents the industry well. And I just want to take my time to throw my weight behind him and say he did a good job speaking. Thank you. (laughs) But my point was to get up and get seen by the people that were, that were in the mix, that were in the action, that were making decisions. And that served me very, very well. We, I landed a client last night. We, had, we popped a bottle of champagne because it took a year, but I landed a client because I did that. And so if there's hearings at your, at your, uh, at your town, at your, at your, City Hall, go to it. If there's somebody that is on the, that's a commission, that's a county commissioner or a city commissioner that is for cannabis or against cannabis, go and talk to them. And, and if there's any hearings at the house or at the Senate, anything, go to them and, um, and, and just, sit back and watch. You don't have to go and you don't have to go and do what I did. That's, that's my way. That's what worked for me, but go be in the room. And what'll happen is you're going to start to see some familiar faces and then don't go home immediately after the meeting, go out to dinner, go out for a drink, go out for lunch. Because what, what happened was I would be at a, I'd be at a hearing and they would go on for like five hours. So I was hungry already. So, and I, I would leave. And typically the first place that first nice place that I could, that was within walking distance of wherever I was, I would go to. And what happened is people from the meeting would come over and they would be like, Oh, I'm starving. This is the first place. Let's go here. And so I would go, Hey, and I, I'd have a common ground with them because I was at the hearing and it was, it was relevant to say, Hey, uh, this is who I am and this is why I'm here. And why are you here? So that's a, that's a really like, um, that's a really hustler kind of ground game type of thing, but. No, I absolutely love, I wrote down every one of those things because you're right. I, I am so conditioned to my corporate world that I feel like always I have to be following the rules and asking appropriately. May I please be your friend? (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Just, just like, uh, just walk right up to people and just say, Hey, how you doing? Like (laughs) it's the easiest thing. Just no subtlety, nothing. Just super direct with people. Those are great. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. Well, and I was just thinking, I went, Oh yeah, that's great advice, man. I went, 
oh, well, how do you do that during coronavirus? <laughs> There's no Doesn't going. Matter. I'm on my agenda now. <laughs> I'm at, I think we have here, things start to open up um, after the 23rd. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's anything to come in in June. I, like I said, I got five lines here. I have notes from you <laughs> yeah. all over it. And I, for me, it was, um, it seemed to be a natural tendency f- for me, but also, um, it's where I could have the most impact was becoming involved in, in politics and becoming a lobbyist and becoming a, a consistent and persistent voice with the legislatures. Um, you know, it cost me money to gas and lunch, but, um, that's something where I started running into even more serious people and those serious people yielded me relationships and connections that, that moved me forward in a, in a very unique way. And that, that served me well. So if, if you guys are opening up later this month, then, then I would, I would reach out and see normal normal's interesting. They have a, a long heritage. I would reach out to them as far as not spending because you don't want to hire a lobbyist because, oh my God, um, talk about bleeding money through your nose. Uh, but they would be able to say, yeah, you know, the, we work with this advocacy group. We work with this lobbying organization, maybe pro bono. I would poke around in that organization just because that's going to be the easiest point of entry for you. And trying to find out who's engaged politically because you have a compelling story. And I think that from, from your perspective, that's something that other people are going to listen to. And and that's where leveraging your, your discipline and your rigor and your formality from, from the 23 years in, in corporate insurance, that will serve you very well because People in people in decision making bodies they don't they don't like. Um, I have a group of people that I can talk to, and I have a group of people that I can't just because of my body language and my disposition. You would be able to talk to a totally different group than I would. So find out who is who's playing the game and join the chorus with them because that that would be that would be. You're going to find out. You're going to find out who is funding. Any, you're going to find out who your adversaries are, and you're also going to find out who's pouring money into any of the advancing any policies, and then you could go and and begin conversations with them. And that's a riot. That's that's a ton of fun too, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, great advice. I I'm so glad that we connected today. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And you know, it's, it's fun to, to shop talk with, with other people, especially with, with someone that's at the beginning of the process. And I think that you'll, you'll probably have an easier go than I did, but I think that there's the dangers that I faced were very clear and apparent. And there were a couple of them and they were just, they were just Godzilla's. I think that there are a lot more subtleties and pitfalls that you're facing now than I was. And I I have to say that I don't envy your position. I think that it's, um, 
yeah, I think that you definitely have a fight on your hand and you're playing all in. So I like that. And any questions, thoughts, concerns, call me, text me, email me, LinkedIn me, whatever. If I can, if I can help you, I will just because I like what you're doing and I like the way that you're, I like the way that you're playing your hand. And I think a lot of other people will like that too. And that's, that's good because they're, there, there's going to be a lot of, just like any other business, there's, there's going to be way more losers than there are winners, but yeah, I, w- I would like to see you win. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And you too. I mean, I really, you know, I, again, you know, to, to reach out to me and ask, you know, to even talk about my company or, you know, where even I fit in this industry. I really appreciate that. Um, Like I said, it's so hard sometimes to get your wheels going into you know, to have people even be interested in talking to you. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. I did listen to your first one too, um, the, 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 the grower gentleman that was on there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and this is all new for me again. Like I'm so used to being, you know, in an office and a cubicle. And, um, so I, I appreciate very much you helping me. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to, happy to help. And, and you're helping, you're helping a ton of people too, as the, as the audience grows, you know, there are, there are people that will listen to this and they'll hear your story and hear your experiences and it will help them. So I, I think it's like a, it's a community service. <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. so. I do. Um, so what I'd like to do is follow up in, you know, maybe a month or something and, and just kind of check in and see how things are going. I'm, I'm going to go and do some homework myself and find out a little bit more about what's going on in Indiana. To be honest, I'd never even, I just looked right over it, which is crazy because it's so close to Michigan. Um, so I'm really curious to know what's going to happen legislatively or if there's going to be like a ballot initiative, signature gathering thing. Like it's very interesting to see how that'll work out. So if you, if you come across any connections or if you come across any information, if you would share it with me just because I don't know anything about Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Cool. Well, thanks for your time, Melissa. And, um, do you have a website or what do you have as far as, um, as far as your business or anything like that? Because I can, I can put a link in the description of the podcast or anything like that. If you'd like. I know. I so I do. I purchased my domain. I just don't have it prepared. So again, I'm so. No, it's it's, um, a, it's you know, okay. I'm, again, troubling. I don't even know what my product is. So I'm, you know, but I I very much appreciate it. Maybe when we meet again in a month, I'll have that. Yeah, and I can, if you want, I can put your I can put your LinkedIn contact if anybody wants to reach out to you. But the um, you know, I mean, it, it you build a you build a house one brick at a time. I mean, it just takes it takes so much time and uh try to enjoy the process and, and not get stressed too much because you know, i mean I've, I've been doing this for for more than a decade and it it never ends and yeah. if, you, if you don't fall in love with the process then you're just gonna die of a of a stress heart attack or something because <laughs> it just it never never ends there's always something to do which is the great thing about business ownership is you always have something to do <laughs> that's right Nice. All right. Thank well, you so much. I will. Um, I do have an email. I, well, actually, you have my email, so that's really my only contact at this time. But yeah, um, yeah thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one, Melissa. Bye-bye.
You too. Bye bye. Okay. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. I I like I like Melissa. I I really like women in cannabis, and I'll tell you why. Because women, there was a study that came out a couple of years ago that said that women owned and operated cannabis businesses were fifteen percent. Either fifteen percent or twenty five percent more profitable, and I have to say, my experience, most of my staff was was ladies, and uh, yeah, yeah, that completely made sense. <laughs> it, it just the communication, the teamwork, um, the work ethic. I mean, I just sorry, dudes. I think the ladies are beating us. I, I they are. Period. So <laughs> she's a she's a, a women focused company and she's a mom and she seems to, she kind of seems like a tiger mom, which is cool. And like she got ferocious and she decided to take some action and, and kind of make a radical life choice. And I think that's cool because that's something that, that we did. And I think that the fact that she had the guts to go and pull her 401k out, I wouldn't recommend it because man, you're, you're rolling the dice and that's, that's playing high stakes and high consequences pretty early. But the fact that she did that tells me everything that I need to know about her and people that do that. I, I like those are, that's good. So if you have resources that you can make available to help her, or if you are in Indiana or if you're a policymaker or a lobbyist or an advocate, then look into Indiana and See if there's anything that you can do to contribute to moving the needle. Uh, look at Indiana and see if there's anything that you can do to move the needle in a meaningful way as far as creating new cannabis policies in the state of Indiana. I think that would help. I think that would help the residents of Indiana. I think that would help Melissa more than anything. She's very early in the process, and I think that's really cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing how, again, I, I, I like the stories. I like seeing how people develop their career and develop their business. And it's really cool. And it's, it's a privilege for me to be able to be here and, and observe this and try to chip in. I don't know everything by any means. Uh, but, but, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I, I've got a pretty solid handle on it, I would say. Uh, so it's exciting to be able to share the knowledge and share the experience and the expertise from the position that I occupy. And that's someone who's spent more than a decade in cannabis. And I've never done anything else professional professionally. I've owned and operated a vertically integrated cannabis business in, in the state of Michigan in the second largest, fastest growing city in the state. So that's, that's my background. That's, that's where I come from. And I just get so stoked to talk about talk about the industry from a business owner perspective, from an operator perspective, from a, a policy perspective, from an operational perspective of like boots on the ground. It's just, it's exciting. So I really would like to talk to you at whatever level or capacity you're at. And in order to do that, you'll need to know how to contact me. And I'm going to give you that contact right now. It's the Weedworks podcast studio hotline is 616-206-3240. Once again, 616-206-3240. And it's 2 p.m. 
<laughs> noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I can be contacted at contact at rcannabis.org, O-U-R-Cannabis.org, and uh, reach out. Take advantage of the resources that, that we're making available to you at no cost. Help develop your business, highlight your business, find the right people to work at your company, develop a resume, polish your skills, gain insights. That way you can join the ever-growing, exciting cannabis field. This is Matt Hoffman. Make sure you subscribe and thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.